New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Michael Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today I'm hosting Michael J. Gelb, and he's the author, along with Kelly Howe, of a book entitled Brain Power, Improve Your Mind as You Age. He's also, of course, the author of the best-selling How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. Michael, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you so much. Nice to have you here. So, Michael, is it really possible to improve your mind as you age? I hope so, because I wrote this whole book. <laughs> this is this is the good news that... Uh, Yes, indeed it is. And the paradigm of science has changed in our lifetime in a profound and dramatic way. We all grew up with the notion that your mind does disintegrate over the years. And that was pretty much the the understanding of science of the 50s and even the 60s. What changed? Contemporary technology allowed us to start actually measuring what was going on in the brain. The MRI, brain scans, we could watch people learn something and measure the changes in their brain. And lo and behold, we could see the brain growing, changing, improving through adulthood. So research compounded upon research has thrown out the limiting notion that we all grew up with. There's a new term. Most people have heard it, neuroplasticity. Neuro, of course, means brain cell. Plasticity means flexible or adaptable or changeable. Your brain is changing and adapting and flexing every day. So what are the best ways to work it out, to develop it? Leonardo da Vinci wrote 500 years ago that water that does not flow becomes stagnant. Thus it is with the human mind. So if you don't use your brain, if you don't challenge it, if you don't develop it, if you don't do the really simple, practical, research-validated steps that we discuss in brain power, yes, it will rust uh, with disuse. It will become stagnant. The really good news, though, even if you've been doing the opposite of everything that we've written about in this book, at any age, you can begin to turn it around and strengthen your brain. So we try to give you the practical guidance, what you need to know to improve your mind for the rest of your life. Michael, as someone who travels the world and is familiar with other cultures around the world and doing the work you've been doing for so long, as you look at the current worldscape, what do you see? Gosh. (laughs) Uh, What do I see in terms of the fate of humanity or geopolitics or psychology or spirituality or all of the above? Pick one, all of the above, Ah, the world, the world, the world. I don't know. I love it. I mean, I love it. I love traveling the world. I love seeing different cultures, meeting different people. We went to India recently. And one of the ways to improve your mind as you get older is to uh, experience novelty, to see new things, to taste new things, to learn new things. And one of the great ways of doing that is travel. And it's one thing to go from the 
culture of California to the culture of New Mexico or New York, they're still somehow within the same basic notion of what a society might be and what human life might be. But when you get off that plane in India, it's such a different world. We went to the Gandhi Memorial in Delhi. And it's a beautiful place. Yes. It's a, a big park. It's an open park. There's an eternal flame. And obviously one has this deep reverent feeling and the sense of connection with the Mahatma. But then you walk out the park and there's a main road. And this is, this is the center of Delhi. And there's an elephant coming down the road. It happened to be a painted elephant who stopped to chat with us for a while. And then we looked over and there was a, a man, just like in the cartoons, with the uh, flute and not one but two cobras dancing out of his basket. And as I said to my wife, Deborah, honey, we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I have a sense of uh, exploration, uh, joy, appreciation, uh, reverence, uh, humor for the world and its different cultures and blessed to be able to travel around. And I don't necessarily have an a, opinion about the state of the world. I wouldn't go that far. I'm still exploring it. I'm still learning all about it. But there's still so much to see at places that I haven't been. So I'm always scheming to get a client to send me there, <laughs> wherever it happens to be. Uh-huh. So what are you scheming for now? Well, you know, I'm here actually in California uh, because uh, I love wine. And I wrote a book uh, called Wine Drinking for Inspired Thinking. And part of my vision in writing that book was that I would get invited to really cool wine events and meet some of the insiders of the wine world. So I'm actually here keynoting the Symposium for Professional Wine Writers. That's great. That's great. <laughs> so we have a sponsored trip to drink the finest wines in the world with the people who write about them. I'm going to talk to them about uh, bringing even more creativity to their exploration. But we're in Napa Valley as a result of my uh, creative vision about how to get invited to the places I want to go. That's great. That's great. That's really great. So what would you have to say to those people who are you know, pessimistic, who basically look at the world and say, problems are so huge. What can I possibly do? What would you say to those people? Um, I totally understand how you feel. <laughs> I mean, if you pick up the newspaper, if you watch television, the onslaught of the most vile, negative, depressing, hideous images and words comes at us. It's toxic. It is truly dreadful. It's so easy to forget the exquisite beauty, the splendor, the majesty, the cultural richness of all the world's traditions. The focus on conflict and war and misery, yes, there's lots of it. I feel deep compassion, and even greater than that, I feel pain that inspires my compassion when I contemplate the suffering of the world. And then I ask myself, okay, how do I bring more joy in my circle of influence? You know, your circle of concern, which is all the global tragedies, you know, the Sudan and Yemen, oh my God. If I spend all my day worrying about the suffering of the world, my immune system is weakened, I'm shrinking, I'm not more effective, I'm not doing anything, I'm just depressing everybody around me and adding to the misery of the world. If I think that's in my circle of concern, what's in my circle of influence? What difference can I make today to bring more joy and beauty and love and kindness to everyone I meet, to the, you know, to the person who uh, uh, took my order when I got coffee on the way here, just in terms of how I smile and interact with that person and treat them with dignity and kindness? 
the, the littlest things. And when you act within your circle of influence, your circle of influence grows and you make more and more of a difference in a positive way. So it's like going into the world with a smile instead of a frown, because that has an effect. You may start with the frown, but then look at the effect that that frown has on yourself and on the people around you. And here's something that gives me hope. We always have choice. And it starts with you personally. So I don't want you to repress the frown or try to necessarily fake a smile. It turns out faking a smile is not a bad idea because once you, you know, you fake it till you make it. <laughs> As Shakespeare said, assume a virtue if you have it not. And soon that virtue naturally becomes you. But the real point is to look at the consequences of your choices and then consider your options. And I'm fascinated by the choices we can make that open up our options for healthy aging, just for example, that's the, my latest focus in my newest book. I'm thinking of William James and his uh, saying that for the next 30 days, I will function as if what I do makes a difference. This is the thing. I don't necessarily coach people to accept the metaphysical notion that everything happens for a reason and it's all for the best. And blah, blah. I don't know. It may not be. It could be that they're evil panel of, of devils tracking the things that are happening to you to screw you. <laughs> but I don't know. Having said that, I do believe the most adaptive, useful attitude is to always act as if everything's happening for your greatest good and for your optimal learning, because then you're going to make the most of it in a practical, very down-to-earth. And, and, and William James was the founder of pragmatism. So it was a very pragmatic way to look at the world. Yes. So if we were to fast forward to the year 2025 and you had all your druthers, no obstacles, what would you want to see the world be like in 2025? Gosh, what, what year is it now? <laughs> uh, early 2012. Uh-huh. It's early 2012. 13 years from now. I still have these wild notions that there will be a kind of true spiritual, not even a renaissance, because it'd be a new understanding that as we learned about consciousness, as we learned about the power of the mind, and as this is validated scientifically, that this new paradigm of neuroplasticity becomes integrated into people's everyday attitude. You know, we finally accepted gravity. You know, we accepted Copernicus. It took the church maybe until 20 years ago, but nonetheless, uh, these things eventually sink in. You know, we're not the center of the solar system. So if we could just accept what we already know about consciousness, about the power of the mind, I think it's actually quite reasonable that within 13 years, due to the uh, ubiquity of communication today and of information, the people get access to this, the children can grow up with this, that grownups can change their minds and recognize that the power of the mind is that great, we might then recognize that our thoughts have consequences and start to think, as all the great masters of every tradition around the world have guided us to think, such that compassion, kindness, love, interconnection, care for the environment, we see our things that are all within our own best personal interest all the time. If there were one thing you could leave our listeners with, what would that one thing be, Michael? One thing. There's just one thing that reminds me of, uh, um, you know, city slickers where they're riding along. Yes. There's just one thing. There's just one thing that's the secret of life. Well, gosh, tell me what it is. Tell me what it is. I'm a listener. Tell me what it is. And I would leave him with, you've got to find out for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, it's great being with you. Thanks for being a guest on New Dimensions Cafe. Grazie mille. <laughs> I've been speaking with Michael Gelb and 
He's the author, along with Kelly Howell, of Brain Power Improve Your Mind as You Age, published by New World Library. And if you'd like more information about his work, you can go to the website, Michael Gelb, G E L B, MichaelGelb.com. You can also get there through the New Dimensions website, NewDimensions.org. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe. My name is Michael Toms. Please come back again. And don't forget, when you go out there in the world, do something good. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.